The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. In my mind, there is no greater chapter in the New Testament than 1 Corinthians 15. Of course, there are other great chapters in the Bible we could list, Psalm 23 and Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 and Psalm 119 and Romans chapter 8 and Revelation chapter 4 and 5. These are vast mountain peaks towering above, I believe, all others. But in my opinion, 1 Corinthians 15 is Mount Everest itself. 1 Corinthians 15 declares to us the gospel of Jesus Christ in its entirety. The chapter is divided into two main parts regarding the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of Christians later. We see later in the chapter. And we're not going to look at the resurrection of Christians, but this morning we're going to look at the resurrection of Christ. And as we look at this, I want to give you two things that we see here in this passage. Number one, it's an indisputable fact of history that Christ is raised from the dead. An indisputable fact from history. Not only is it an indisputable fact of history, but it is an indispensable fact of theology that Christ is risen from the grave. And as we look at this, I want to look at these two areas this morning and we'll be done. But as Paul is preaching to these that are at Corinth and Paul is speaking about even those that were alive that had seen the risen Savior, that were eyewitnesses and testimonies, he first makes a statement of facts. He first gives us some pretty big statements in this passage of Scripture. And I want to look at first the statements that are given as fact. Paul takes us in uh, three different places. The first place he takes us, look at verse number 3. The first place that Paul takes us in these great statements of fact is the cross. Notice what he says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, How that Christ, what's that next word, church? Died for our sins. How that Christ died for our sins. Uh, As we, uh, last Sunday, uh, we remember uh, Palm Sunday, that time where uh, they cried, Hosanna, the parade that would gather around to uh, say this is uh, the king and they, he rode in on the donkey and uh, they laid down the palms and uh, they had that great parade. And I hope that this week you have been in your own heart just parading and thanking God and, and being part of that parade and saying Hosanna to the king of kings and to the Lord of lords. And on Friday, we, uh, many of us remembered, had opportunity to preach a Good Friday service down in Baltimore, and we uh, preached on, I said, let's go to the cross. And so we went to the cross, and part of that group that uh, stood at the cross and uh, said, surely this is the Son of God. No man ever spake like this man. Nobody did like what Jesus did. And the Bible here takes us to the cross, and it says to us, That he died. Now, that statement, he died, could be written over the epitaph of millions and millions of people. The fact that Jesus died is not necessarily significant. Let me just even tell you that over 30,000 Jewish men died on a cross. The fact that Jesus died on the cross doesn't even make him unique. That's not the unique part of why Jesus died or how Jesus died. I mean, think about it. Let me ask you a question this morning. Of the over 30,000 plus men that died on a cross, Jewish men that died on a cross, can you give me 
one of their names this morning. Can you give me any of their names other than the name of Jesus? Boy, time is the great divider, isn't it? Time is the great, we forget names over time. We forget, forget things over time. But as Paul states a fact of history, he brings us to the cross and say that Jesus Christ died. And here's the truth this morning. We know him. We know his name. There's something about Lord Jesus Christ that separates his death from all other deaths. It's not that he died. It's not that he died on the cross. It's what he takes us to, this remarkable statement about the death of Christ, is that he died, verses 3 and 4, according to the Scriptures. That he died according to the Scriptures. Think about that. All of us know that there's going to be a time where we die. There's going to be a place that we die. There's going to be a a reason uh, for why we die. Uh, We know that, but here's the truth this morning. We don't know how. We don't know when. We don't know why. The Bible says it's appointed in a man once to die, but after this is judgment. Here's the truth. Young people die. Old people die. Some people die of old age and some disease and some accidents and all kinds of things bring death to people. But the truth is that Jesus' death was not an accident. Jesus' death was not something that was planned by the Romans or planned by the Jews. It was a death that was planned by himself. It was a death that he died, the Bible says, according to the Scriptures. Jesus, in his word, fulfilled all the prophecies. I mean, open up your Bible. You don't believe me this morning. Some would say this is just a history book. Well, I challenge you, use it as a history book. Go back thousands and thousands of years before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and read about where he would come how he would come, how he would die, where he would die. The man, hey, it was prophesied. It was foretold. Jesus died according to the Scriptures. Nobody lived like Jesus lived, and nobody died like Jesus died. Jesus died according to the Scriptures. It's so extraordinary. Uh, There are many witnesses to his death. Jerusalem was teeming with pilgrims. Josephus tells us, the great historian, that there were probably more than a million people in Jerusalem at time of the Passover feast. You think it was a coincidence that Jesus went to the cross at the time of the Passover? Are you with me? You think that was a coincidence? That all of the types that we read about in Hebrews, uh, that, that Passover lamb that was being sl- slain, those Jews were uh, commemorating that time in history where they left Egypt and they had to take a lamb and they had to uh, 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 kill that lamb and they had to take the blood and they had to put it on the doorposts uh, of their house and death would pass over and they would leave Egypt and they would head for the promised land. Hey, it was no coincidence that Jesus died at the time he died because Jesus was saying as John prophesied and foretold behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world Jesus is the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world we can be sure that there was a large crowd that were witnessing his death on Calvary's hill that day to see him die when Paul said the words he died according to the scriptures he said a mouthful he was telling us a lot You know, there's many people that would say that Jesus swooned on the cross. I tell you this morning, Jesus didn't swoon. Uh, Jesus died. He gave up the ghost. Jesus said this, nobody takes my life except I lay it down. Jesus was both fully God and fully man. 
He came to earth born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, was tempted in all points like as we are, the Bible says, yet without sin. And I tell you, he's a risen Savior, a high priest that's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. The Lord Jesus Christ is alive, ever lives to make intercession for us. And the Bible says that he died according to the scriptures. Not only does Paul take us to the cross, but in verse number 4, Paul takes us to the cemetery. Paul, notice he says in verse number 4, in verse 4 he says, And that he was what, church? Buried. And that he was buried. Jesus didn't swoon. Jesus didn't go to the hospital. Jesus was buried. Jesus was buried in the tomb. Historians tell us and the Bible tells us that his friend Nicodemus that uh, uh, provided with uh, Joseph of Arimathea uh, for asked for the body of Christ, provided the spices and uh, took the body of Christ uh, to a sepulcher, a borrowed tomb, that the tomb was closed, it was sealed by the imperial seal of the Roman governor. Guards were posted to make sure nobody tampered with the sepulcher, to make sure nobody could take the body. Why? Because they heard the words of Jesus. They heard. Jesus said, hey, listen, they're going to put this body in the grave. And for three days and three nights, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Hey, but listen, the Lord Jesus Christ would be raised from the dead on the third day, he told his disciples. And listen, they even forgot, didn't they? On the third day, uh, some ladies were going to anoint the body of the Lord when they should have been going to rejoice at the fact that he was not there, that he was risen. Where were the disciples? They were hiding in doubts and in fears. But can I tell you, this was all done according to the scriptures. The cemetery. Next, he takes us to the calendar. In uh, verse number 4, it says that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. What a day that was, amen? What a glorious day that was. Listen, if you can't get excited over the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you're part of God's church, there's about nothing that's going to get you moved. There's about nothing that's going to get you excited. I'm telling you, we, we, don't, uh, we don't serve uh, Buddha. We don't serve, uh, we don't serve some God who you can walk by his grave and go uh, pay homage to. Hey, we don't serve Muhammad. Uh, we don't serve. Hey, listen, I'll tell you, uh, our God is no longer in the grave. You can go to the tomb, but he's not there. You can't go pay homage in the cemetery to where Jesus Christ is laid because he's alive and he lives forevermore. And I tell you, if we can't get excited over that fact, I don't know what we would get excited about. He takes us to the calendar. God had circled this day on the calendar before time ever began, before the mystery of iniquity raised its head in the universe. God decided then that all three members of the Godhead would be involved in man's redemption. All the details, all the dates were settled in heaven. The Lord Jesus would enter into human life and in cooperation with the Father and the Spirit would put the plan of redemption into effect. The date was circled for his death. The date was circled for his burial. But can I tell you, the date was circled for his resurrection. On the third day, on the third day, he rose from the grave. Hey, that's what he tells us. 
This was no coincidence. This was no secret. This was not something he didn't want us to know. Hey, he said, hey, listen, I want you to know something. I want you to know that I rose from the grave so that you could believe, so that you could know God, so that you could be born again. When Jesus said it was finished on the cross, all of the sacrifice, all of the, hey, listen, the veil in the temple was rent in two from top to bottom. God said there's no more separation between you and me. You can come by the way. You can come by the truth. You can come have the life. Hey, listen, he that hath the Son of God hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Jesus Christ is the way. Jesus Christ is the truth. Jesus Christ is the life. Listen, that's not my opinion. That's a fact. That's a fact. No other king like our king. No other God like our God. No other king would give his life for the redemption of rebels, his wealth to become a welcome to the outcasts. Jesus is that king, the king of glory, son of the living God. Not just another king, not just another prophet, not just another teacher. He was the one the world had been waiting for, the one to deliver us from captivity, the son of David and Abraham's chosen seed. He is the goal of the Mosaic law. God in the flesh. The Bible says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was the beginning with God. Oh, don't you for a second begin to believe the lies of the cults and the critics who will tell you that Jesus is some lesser God, that Jesus is some kind of lower life form. I tell you this morning, Jesus is fully God that Jesus is the King of kings and He's the Lord of lords. Jesus was the Creator come to earth in the beginning of a new creation. He embodied the covenant, fulfilled the commandments, reversed the curse. Jesus is the Christ that God spoke to of the servant, a serpent, the one prefigured to Noah in the flood, the one promised to Abraham, the one guaranteed to Moses before he died, the one promised to David during his reign, the one revealed to Isaiah as a suffering servant, the one predicted through the prophets and prepared for through John the Baptist's ministry. He is the Father's Son. He's the Savior of the world. He is a substitute for our sins. He is more loving and more holy and more wonderfully terrifying than we ever thought possible. He is our Jesus and there is no other king like him. He is our God, our glory, our victorious savior. There is no other king like him in church. There is no other king. There is no other king. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Paul takes us to the cross. And he takes us to the cemetery and he takes us to the calendar. But I tell you this morning, not only did he state the facts, but lastly, this morning, he substantiated the facts. He substantiated the facts. He said, hey, listen, don't just take my word for it. Hey, listen, I'll join you with people that will say, oh, this is just a Bible. It's just a book written by men. It's just a history book. It's a good book. It's one that you can go to. Listen, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. Jesus is either the Son of God or He's the most horrific liar that ever lived. He is either all that He said He was or none of it. 
No good men walk, walk around saying they're God. Good men don't do that. Jesus didn't uh, pull punches. He didn't uh, mince words when it came to his deity. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He said, I'm Jehovah God. Before Abraham was, I am. He said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I tell you, Jesus wasn't mincing words. Hey, listen, those Jews knew what he was saying. They didn't take up stones to stone him because he was saying, oh, kind of okay things, good things. He was declaring himself to be God in the flesh, and they knew it. Messiah, Yahweh, Jehovah. He said, that's me. I and the Father are one. And listen, you cannot see God if you have not seen Jesus. You cannot know God if you have not known Jesus. You cannot, hey, listen, God translated himself to us, didn't he? We could have never understood the language. We could have never seen him face to face. We could have never stood before him. Hey, listen, other people tried. Other people attempted. Other people desired. Moses said, I want to see your face. And God said, you can't see my face. You'd never live through it. I'll let you see a little bit of my glory. Hey, Isaiah saw God high and lifted up. He saw his train fill the temple. He bowed down on his face. He said, I can't, I can't see. I can't take. I can't fully comprehend and understand. And can I tell you, Jesus Christ was the translation of God to humanity. We would have never understood God. Ever see things lost in translation? With Jesus, nothing is lost in translation. With Jesus, everything is understood. With Jesus, the full knowledge and the mystery of God and the manifold wisdom of God is unfolded to us so that we can know Him, so that we can understand Him. Hey, I'm saying this morning that maybe you just know God is cold and distant and quiet in a room where you burn some candles and wave some incense and blow some smoke. Maybe God's just a ritual to you. Maybe God's just a religion to you. But I can tell you this morning, Jesus didn't die a horrific death on the cross so you can continue in some cold, dead, ritualistic religion. Jesus came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He didn't come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance because there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Oh, the gospel's an affront to our pride, isn't it? It offends us because it tells us all that we're not good, that we all fall short. Come on, I'd like to just like you do feel a little bit better about myself. I put my Sunday best on and here I am in church and I'm, I'm the pastor. And you know, I'm the pastor and so I must be good. I tell you this morning, I'd slip into hell if it were not for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'd be dead in my trespasses and sins. There's nothing good about me except for the grace of God that is in me. I tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And as Paul, I can say this morning, I feel like I'm the chief of sinners the worst of the sinners. You know, the religionists will come away comparing ourselves among ourselves. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I try to be good. I try to help, and I try to do humanitarian things. I tell you, we all try, but we all fail, don't we? Because if we just break one of God's laws, we broke them all. You say, I haven't committed adultery. Jesus said, hey, listen, sir, if you ever looked on a woman to lust after her, you committed adultery in your heart. You said, I never murdered. Jesus said, hey, listen, sir, if you ever hated somebody, if you ever didn't forgive somebody, if you ever had aught in your heart towards somebody, you might as well murdered them. As far as God's concerned, we've committed all 
of the breakings of the law. As in Adam all die, but so in Christ shall all be made alive. He substantiates the fact. He says, hey, listen, you want to just go back and you need some proof, need some evidence? Come on, are we, we don't just sit there and just say, I'll believe what you say, pastor. Don't take my word at it. Don't, Paul said, don't even just take his word. What did he say? Listen, listen, he said, it's deeper than that. It's greater than that. I got some eyewitnesses to bring before you. I want you to know that he was seen. He was seen, verse 5, by his friends. He was seen by his friends. Notice verse 5 tells us that he was seen of who? Cephas. You know who that is? Peter. It's Peter. Some of you knew that. Good job. Cephas is Peter. Hey, listen, Peter, Petros, little stone. It's to Peter that Jesus said, Hey, I know that some people say I'm a prophet, and some people say I'm uh, uh, Elijah, and some people I say I'm all these different people or a good teacher. But who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke those words that were given to him by the Holy Spirit of God. He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. He said, Hey, Peter, let me tell you something, little rock, little stone. You're just a little rock. You're just a little stone. But I'm the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hey, listen, confidence in Peter? What did Peter do when Jesus got arrested? Peter went and stood by the fire and warmed himself with those enemies of God. And what did it, when they said, oh, I know, Peter, you were with him. You were one of his disciples. And Peter began to curse and say all kinds of words that he could say to, to, to get distance between him and Jesus. Hey, I don't want to go and be tried like he's tried. Hey, remember Peter who said, if you go to the cross, I'm going to the cross. But in that hour, what was Peter? Nothing but a denier. He denied him not once. Not twice, but three times. And I tell you, you remember old Peter went back to being a fisherman. And Jesus, after he rose from the dead, came and made a fire and cooked some fish and called Peter to the fireside and said, Hey, Peter. Hey, Peter. Remember me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He said, Yes, Lord, I love you. He said, Go do what I called you to do. Go feed the flock of God. And Peter later wrote those words in the book of 1 Peter. Feed the flock of God that is among you. He exhorted other pastors to do what Christ exhorted him to do. But can I tell you, after the resurrection, Jesus Christ was seen of Peter. He was seen. John put it this way. That which we have seen with our own eyes, which our hands have handled of the word of life. Listen, some people say, oh, it's just opinion, the Bible. It's just a book, the Bible. No, no, eyewitnesses who were alive at the time of the writing spoke about their encounter. But he doesn't stop with just one friend. He doesn't stop with just Peter. He says not only was he seen by the man who denied him, but he was seen by the men who he discipled. Look at verse number 5. He was seen of Cephas and then of the what? The twelve. The men he discipled. They saw him. There could be no doubting their united testimony, even as we know the one that we call Doubting Thomas. Boy, he wasn't there when Jesus showed up the first time. And he didn't believe like a lot of people today don't believe. The testimony, the testimony of changed lives. Those that have seen the resurrected Savior. Thomas said, I won't believe. I won't believe unless I see him myself. And in that moment, boy, Jesus came in. He came in that room and he said, hey, Thomas, 
You want to put your hands in the scars? They're still there. Do you need to touch them to believe? Do you need to see the spear mark in the side? Do you need to see to know, hey, listen, I'm here, Thomas. He fell on his face and he said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, blessed are those that have not seen and yet believe. That's you and me. Not seen, but believe. Why? Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How can they hear without a preacher, the Bible says? Oh, preach the word, the word of God. Are you hearing? Are you believing? Are you trusting? He was not just seen by his friends, but he was seen by his flock. Look at verse number 6. The Bible says, after that, after that, he was seen of above how many? Five, you see it in the Bible, don't just take my word for it. Five hundred brethren at what? Once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. He said, hey, listen, five hundred, five hundred at once. And Paul said, of whom the greater part of that five hundred, they're still alive today. You can go talk to them if you want to. He's talking to those Corinthians that didn't believe in the resurrection. He's talking to those Corinthians that are saying, hey, we don't believe that there's a resurrection. He's debating with them. He said, hey, if you don't believe there's a resurrection, we got trouble. Because if Christ be not risen from the dead, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. And we only have hope in this life. Because after we die, if there's no resurrection, then what happens? If there's nothing that happens, listen to me. You know how many people that are on this planet today that believe when you die? Listen, some of the far-fetched things they believe. They, they call the gospel preposterous while they believe they become like animals and all kinds of different things after they die. Uh, they become, oh, or how about this? It's just over. It's just over. You die and then it's over. How sad is that? This is the only thing we have? This is the only life we have? So you tell me I got a clock that's ticking right now, and as soon as that clock is done, I don't know when it's over, that, it, that I'm done, that all of I, that I am is in this body? Come on, we know that's not true. You look into the eyes of those that you love, and you know there's something deeper in them than just a body, something that goes further, something that goes longer. The Bible says that when God created man, he formed man from the dust of the ground and he picked him up and with his own hands, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Hey, the soul, that's forever. Who I am, come on, let's be honest, who we are is not our bodies. These bodies are just temporary. How many thankful for that? How am I thankful the body's just temporary? You say, I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of the hurt. I tell you, Jesus died on the cross to end the pain, to end the shame, to end the blame, to end it all. And in resurrection, we have victory because as Christ rise, he rose from the grave. And if we have hope only in this life, we're men most most miserable. He was seen by his friends. He was seen, verse 7, by his family. Look at verse number 7, verse 8. Verse 7, after that he was seen of who? James. The Lord had four half-brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and at least three sisters. 
None of them believed on him, the Bible tells us, until after the resurrection. They didn't believe on him. He was a prophet that had no respect in his own country. His own family didn't believe on him. But I tell you, there was a time where Mary believed on him. You know why? Because Mary was a sinner, and Mary needed to be saved. Yes, we're all sinners. There's not a single one of us that be a saint without the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you, you can be a saint, and we can all be saints. And listen, I'm not talking about something to dangle around your neck. I'm something to hang on your eternity. Something that goes longer. Something that's better. Something that's not ritual, but real. Something that's reality. He said his brothers, his own brothers believed. He was seen of James. Hey, listen, wouldn't his family know if he was a fake? Wouldn't his family know if he was a fake? I mean, wouldn't the cover up? Hey, listen, you know what? What I, what I realize beyond everything else, I may be able to fool you, but I cannot fool that lady that's on the front, front row. I can't be a fake. She knows who I am. Those four kids that I have, I may be able to fool you, but I can't fool them. They know who I am. You know, Jesus wasn't fooling his family. They believed themselves. They saw Jesus resurrected. They saw him die, but they saw him resurrected. He was seen by his family. Notice verse number 7. He was seen by his followers. The Bible says he was seen, verse 7, of all the apostles. No doubt Matthias, who was later added to the twelve. Probably James was one of them. Barnabas was there. He was seen by his family. He was seen by his followers. And then lastly, we're done. He was seen by one more person. And Paul wraps it all up with these substantiating the facts. He says this, I saw him too. I saw him too. Paul was on the road to Damascus. Paul was persecuting the church, the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, he was persecuting. He was persecuting the church. He was locking them up. He stood, think about this. He stood over the body of Stephen as they stoned him to death for doing only what he would do for the rest of his life, preach the gospel. Stephen was preaching, and as Stephen was being stoned, he looked up into heaven and said the words of the Lord Jesus, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Stephen preaching the gospel, I wonder how that must have pricked his heart. We know it did because Jesus said it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. It's hard for you to go against the conviction that I brought to your life. And you know what Paul said this? He was not just seen by his friends and his followers and his family. He was seen by his foe, his enemy, his worst enemy. Paul made himself to be the worst enemy of Christianity. He said, I'm an enemy. I'm the one who persecuted the church. I'm the one who doubted his resurrection. But I saw him. I saw him. He's alive, and I've never been the same since. Hey, once I was blind, but now I can see. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. That's what Paul said. I used to be a persecutor, but now I'm a preacher. I used to persecute the church, but now I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, let me tell you. The one that tried to stamp out the story of the resurrection became the greatest preacher of the resurrection that ever walked the earth besides John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. Paul the Apostle. Paul, what did he do? 
Hey, listen, you know how many people have tried to burn this? You know how many people have tried to throw this away, tried to get rid of this? You know, on the media, they want to tell you who Jesus is. They want to tell you who he's not. They want you to help you, help you find Jesus. Can I tell you, turn it all off. Open this up. I'll help you find Jesus. He's right here. He is every bit what this says he is. And the critics have been for thousands and thousands of years. They have come and gone. And get this, I don't remember their names, but you know whose name I remember? Jesus Christ. Because you can't step over Jesus. You know what Jesus says he is? To the religious, a stumbling block. You know why? Because you can't go around him and you can't step over him. You can only trip on him. He'll be the reason why you fall if you're just a religionist. He said, hey, listen, a stumbling block to the Jews. Oh, not just to the religionists is he a stumbling block, but to the rationalists, the Greeks. The Greeks were very philosophical, very educated. We don't have anybody like that today, do we? The educated people, the philosophers, those that want to tell us who Jesus is because of their philosophy. Oh, to them, the Bible says he's just silly, just foolish, just a silly notion, a crutch for the sick. Oh, just somebody, oh, you got Jesus, I feel sorry for you. You can't just stand in life on your own two feet, you need Jesus. I'll tell you, without Jesus, we'd all fall, we all fail. I don't have Jesus to add to my life, I have Jesus because I didn't have life without him. I lost my life to find him. Oh, but I found it in Jesus, have you? Wisdom, wisdom, hey, foolishness, those that say there is no resurrection, Those that say Jesus is not who he says he is. Hey, to the religionists, he's just a stumbling block. To the rationalists, he's just silly. But to the redeemed, he's our savior. He's our savior. I wonder who is he to you today? Because he either will be your stumbling block, just a silly tale, or the power of God and the manifold wisdom of God. He says, last of all, verse 8, he was seed of me also. I tell you this morning, we don't preach religion. We preach resurrection. Our invitation to men and women, boys and girls, is not to subscribe to our creed, however noble it may be. We simply want them to be saved by a Savior who is alive from the dead. And he ever lives you know him today? Are you saved? Have you been born again? If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.